Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening. Good Love evening. Talk Radio. Keep hope alive. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. The greatest love story of all time is summed up in these 25 verses of 25 words that someone is called a miniature Bible. The gospel in a nutshell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Good afternoon. Good evening. Everyone, this is Evangelist Portia Mike Iver. Coming to you tonight, it's about 9 p.m., a little past 9 p.m., and I'm coming to you tonight with our title, Israel, the Everlasting Nation. I'm coming to you with because I'm concerned about Israel always, you know. The Bible tells us to pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I do that. Whenever I pray, I do that. And I hope you do the same thing. You know, Israel is an amazing place. Israel is about the size of New Jersey. But there have been so many wars and scrimmages over that little nation that is ridiculous. Everybody wants that little piece of land. They all, all of the enemies, want to push Israel over into the sea. But you know they can't do it. On down through history, ever since way back when a young man was born or when a young child was born, they tell me or what I've been reading through some Jewish history, Abraham or Abram, was his name. A child was born who was named Abram. His father and mother named him Abram. Abram, in the land of Ur. Ur is in the Mesopotamian region over there. It is over there in Iraqi. And the father had a child, you know, the mother and the father had a child. And the the, the ruler during those times was doing the same thing that Herod did when Jesus was born. He had heard from some of his sages or his magi or his false prophets that somebody was going to be born that God was going to use. See, in those days, every man lived according to what he thought was right. Now, you know what? Thank God we don't have that today. Thank God we have law today. Back there in those days, they could serve the God they want to serve. If you wanted to serve a tree, you could serve a tree. If you wanted to serve a cabbage, you could serve a cabbage. If you wanted to serve a monkey, you could serve a monkey or worship a monkey. Uh, Well, come to think of it. That does sound like today, doesn't it? Because everybody is worshiping everything. You got 
this church and that church and this religion and that religion and this belief and that belief and this higher preacher and that higher preacher. This preacher is better than that. Oh, that does sound like that, doesn't it? Mm. How things don't change. Anyway, this little baby, Abram, was born. And the king or the ruler during that time and I've got to go back and find out who he was. I didn't get my notes together right today. But that king decided he was going to send people out, henchmen, as I call them, out, to find every male baby born during that time, and he was going to kill them. Now, this is from some Jewish readings, so I know they're not lying. They were going to kill the children, but... Abram's father hid him in the house. And when they knocked at the door, actually, she stayed in. The mother stayed in the whole time she was pregnant. From what I'm reading, she stated they never knew she was pregnant. They never knew that a baby came because when he was born, he was born quiet. He didn't scream and yell like some of the babies do. So nobody knew. That he was born. Besides, Abraham's father stayed out in a place where there was not a lot of people. And you know how they were. They were nomads. And they stayed in tents. But Abraham, well, Abram was born. And when he was born, he grew up. And by the time he got four or five years old, they never did find him. But by the time he got four or five years old, his father took him in his business. His father was an idol god maker. His father fashioned and formed idol gods. I believe the idol god in those days was Diana, if I'm not mistaken, but he was an idol god maker. He formed these little statues of an idol god, and he would sell them. That was his way of making a living for his family. And he had a big one in his house that he had fashioned so that they could worship this false god. One day, and actually it wasn't in his house, it was a part of his house where he made all of those things at his workshop. And it was a big one sitting in there this idol god that they all worshipped. One day he had to go off for a trip selling some of those idols. And he left Abraham in charge. By this time, Abraham was about, oh boy, I think he was about 12, 13, maybe 14 years old. Because during the time when he was little, four, five, six, seven, he was helping his father with the clay that they were made out of. Now, who wants to serve a God if you drop it and break it? It's going to break half in two. Really? You're going to get another one? What happened to the first one? See, we only have one God, and you can't drop them and break them. But anyway, back to the story of Abraham. He went, the father went into town to sell some of the idol gods because that was the way he made his living. So when he went into town, Abraham, uh, Abram, I'm so used to calling him Abraham, but Abram decided that he, it was something about those gods. He could not understand why somebody wanted to worship something that he had, he and his father had made by their hand. He saw it when it was nothing but a lump of clay. He saw it when his father poured the water in the dry clay and started forming this deity or this idol god, this false god. And he could not understand that. It was something in him that was different from his father or his mother. See, he didn't understand then, but he had a calling on his life. And some of y'all the same way. You got a calling on your life. But he looked at those things and he started destroying. He started taking them one by one, throwing them down and smashing them, throwing them down and smashing them, throwing them down and smashing them. And when he did it, each time that he did it, it gave him a pleasing feeling. 
something was happening inside of him. He felt he was doing the right thing. But then father came back home, and Abraham had to tell a lie. Abraham had to say, Father, someone came in and broke all of the idol gods, and I don't know who it was. His father really didn't believe him, but he picked him up, and he went and he made more. But Abram got a satisfactory feeling, something that he did not understand. Down in the midst of him, he knew that he had did the right thing because he knew that what his father was doing was not the right thing. He knew somewhere in his soul that that was not right. Anyway, he went on and he lived and he grew up to become a young, handsome man and he married. His love, Sarah. And when he married her, he was the happiest man on earth. Beautiful woman. Chaste, shy. She never lied. She loved Abraham. <laughs> and I believe she was some kin to him. I believe she was the father's first wife, daughter, or something like that. Anyway, that's not the issue here. They did things like that. Like I said, they each one did what they saw was right. They lived by their own set of rules, their own set of laws. So if he married his his father's first wife's child, the first wife had died, if he married her daughter, then that's what they did in those days. Okay, but he loved her. She was such a beautiful woman, such a kind woman. And so he set out and he began to do what he did, you know, and um, he took care of his wife and he raised cattle and sheep and bullock and all sorts of things. You know, and the Lord blessed him. See, the Lord saw what he did when he was a child. What he felt inside of him was the Spirit of God hovering over him, letting him know that what his father was doing was not right. He knew inside of him. He just knew that that was not right. So after he married Sarah, they were there. He was working, tending his sheep, cattle, and bullocks and everything that God had blessed him with. And the Lord called him. That same feeling came to him, that loving, satisfactory feeling, that feeling of love all around him. And that's why he broke those statues at statues at that time because he had that feeling around him then. That's how he knew that something was not right. But that feeling came back around him again. This time he heard a voice. The first time he did not hear a voice. He just had a feeling. This time he heard a voice, and it said, Abraham, Abraham. No, it said, Abram, Abram, come out from among your kindred. And he listened to it. He asked no questions. He listened to the voice. He took his wife, packed her up, packed up their livestock, and began to go. But he had a young man with him, which was, I think it was his nephew. And with him raising, because see, Sarah hadn't had any children. So he took Lot to raise him. And when he took Lot to raise him, he took Lot with him. Lot was like his child, even though he was his nephew. Now, forgive me for keep calling him Abraham, but that's what I'm used to knowing him as. But his name at that time was Abram. And... He came out. He listened to the voice. He knew. I don't know how he knew, but we know. When we hear the voice of God, it's different from any other voice you've ever heard. You hear it with everything in your body, every hair, every membrane. You hear it with the tips of your finger, the palm of your hand, the bottom of your feet, the tips of your toe. You know that that could only be God. 
No one else and nothing else can speak to you like that but God. He lets himself be known. And he lets you know without a shadow of a doubt that, yes, I am God. So he obeyed him, taking his nephew and his wife with him and his servants. There was one called Eleazar. Eleazar was very close to him also. And um, to the point that he thought Eleazar was going to be part of his household, that he was going to raise Eleazar as his son also. But that was not God's will, and it was not God's will for Lot to be his son either. They went on out, and they came upon different people. They fought wars, and Abraham won the wars. They fought against giants. Let me tell you what happened. Everywhere he went, they would see them with all their livestock, and the service that he carried with him, the handmaiden, the servants, the everybody, the, the shepherds that he had or the helpers that he had in the field, all of his employees, he had them with him. And people would see them, and they wanted to join him. So they would take their families and their livestock and come and join him because he would tell them the story about how God told him to go out to a land that he was going to show him. So everywhere he went, people attached themselves to them. That's how he won that war against the giants. When he did the war against the kings, those were giant kings. He won the war because he had so many people following him that they knocked those kings out. It wasn't them. It was the power of God because, see, they had to get through where God was taking them to, and the giants were going to stop them. So God and his host helped him to win that war. All of this time, his wife, Sarai, had not had any children. It wasn't like they were not, you know, um, being man and wife. They were, but nothing. Each time, nothing. So they went on, but she was a beautiful woman. She was so beautiful that they got to a land, and the king sent spies out to find out who they were. And the king's men came back, said, they told him his name, and they said, but there is a woman there that is so beautiful. And so the king sent. He wanted that woman. And when he wanted her, you know, the king will get what he wants. And he talked to Abraham, and Abraham told him, told the king that that was his sister. Actually, technically, he was telling the truth because that was his father's first wife daughter. Technically, he was telling the truth. People say, hey, lied. No, she was his sister. And since she was his sister, then the king wanted her, wanted her to be his wife. Now, there was nothing Abraham could do because he had already said that she was his sister. But see, he didn't tell the whole truth. He didn't say, that's my sister who I married. He let uh, he allowed the king, hallelujah, to take his wife because he was afraid that if he didn't, that the king would kill them all, that he would kill him and then take his wife to have her as the king's wife. So he let him go ahead, uh, I guess, trusting in God. And when he did, that night that the king laid down, the king heard the voice of the Lord. And he told the man, what did he say? Uh, oh, I think the man was named Abimelech. And he told him, what you're doing is wrong. He said a little bit worse than that. What he told him was that what you are doing is wrong. And if you don't give her back, then your whole household is going to be cursed. When that king heard that, he got that woman out there so fast. He had given her, oh, all kind of jewelry and clothing, and he had given her um, handmaidens, everything. 
she was about to be a rich woman because he was about to take her to, oh, I know what it was. He said, God says, Abimelech, you are as a dead man. And he wanted to know what was going on, and God told him what was going on. But he said, you are but a dead man. And in other words, today's language, if you touch her, dude, you're going to die. And your whole household going to be cursed. So he gave Sarah back to Abraham, or Sarai, back to Abraham. And he laid Abraham out and told him to get out of this country. He said, what were you trying to do, bring a curse upon me? And Abraham didn't explain himself. He just did what the king said. And he told them to go, take everything I've given her and go. And that's what he did. When Sarah left that place, she was a wealthy woman. She didn't have hand service while she was with Abraham or Abram during the time that they were going to the promised land that God had promised them. But now she had a handmaiden. She had beautiful clothes. She had gold and silver. And that's what she left the king's chambers with. The king ran them out of town because he wanted nothing more to do with Sarai. When someone tells you, Whatever your name is, you are but a dead man. Uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to do what you're doing? I don't think so. But let's continue with the story. They continued to journey on, and Lot, the little nephew, grew in statue and in wealth because he, he was tending the sheep, and Abraham divided up with him because he Lot had some cattle and stuff too, but his was not a lot when he left because he had what his father had left him. But it wasn't a lot. Abraham's wasn't a lot. But he be, those animals began to increase and have babies, and they multiplied because he was a blessed man. When God tells you to do something, he blesses you. I hear one preacher said, God's will is God's bill. Don't worry about how you're going to do it. Just put your foot in the path and walk. Put your stuff on a truck and drive. God will show you where he wants you to go to. Now, as I said, livestock were growing also. When you are part of a blessed person, then you become blessed also. And they had so many livestock that, they, they 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 were eating up all the grass. Wherever they went, they were eating up all the grass. And so Abraham suggested that they separate, because by this time Lot was grown, they separate. You take the east, I'll take the west, or you take the right, and I'll take the left. Either way, make your choice. So that's what they did. They separated so that each set of livestock could have enough to eat. Had nothing to do with what was going on between Lot and Abram, but they had so many livestock that they were eating up all the grass wherever they went. So by this time, like I said, Lot was grown, so Lot went over to a city called Sodom. The area was called Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's where he dwelt at. And Abraham kept on going. Now, there was a time when Abraham stopped, and he wanted that particular land for his land. But God told him, no, this is not where I want you at. Get up and keep going. So he did. And when he did, he continued to grow and grow. People joined his lot. People joined his group. He joined his band, you know, and in those days they called him a band of people. People joined his band wherever he went. And, of course, they ran into trouble. There's always somebody that's going to try to bully you. Who are you? Why are you here? This is our land. But each time he would win the wars that he had, he would win. The war against the kings, he won. Those giants, he won. 
and everywhere he went, if he had to fight, they always won. That's why God allowed the people to join him wherever he went. And when they joined him, they were friends. I'm quite sure all of them wasn't perfect because, you know, there's always an enemy in the bunch. But they joined him because they saw how he was blessed. And you want to attach yourself to blessing, not to curses. You don't want to attach yourself to somebody that don't have as much as you do or don't have no more than you do. You attach yourself to somebody who's blessed. When you see that they are a man or a woman of God, that's who you want to be with. In a way, he kept on going and kept on going, and when he reached a certain point, he stopped because he knew that that was where he was supposed to be. Now, at this particular point, they were staying in a tent, and he looked up one evening and two strangers came. And when the two strangers came, they told him, Abraham, you're going to conceive. Your wife is going to conceive. I'm sorry. Abram, your wife is going to conceive a son. And from now on, your name shall not be Abram, but Abraham. And your wife's name should not not be Sarai, but Sarah. They he changed their names. Father of many nations was Abraham's name. That's what God gave him, Abraham. And Abraham Abraham looked at them and said, When shall this be? And they didn't give him a date or anything like that, but he and Sarah got together. Sarah, when the angels came to her and told her that, she snickered. She laughed. I guess she say, hey, hey, dude, I'm 90 some years old. You got to be joking. Like my brother says, my, I love him. I tell you, I'm not going to call his name, but you will recognize, and I mentioned him before. He says, Are you serious? I guess that's what Sarah was saying. Are you serious? And she snickered, and they said, why are you laughing? She lied and said, I didn't laugh. But they said, yes, you did laugh. But by this time, next year, you're going to conceive a son. And sure enough, by that time, the next year, but let 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 me rewind. Because at one point, when she heard the angels, she really didn't believe, and it was some months she thought, oh, I'm going to get pregnant right away. No, that's not what they said. Anyway, she had patience, and time went on, and when time went on, she got impatient, and she sent Abraham into her handmaiden, Hagar, because she said, I can't have no babies. I'm 90 years old, or almost 90 years old. I, I, my time of that is over. I wasn't meant to have a baby. So Abraham, uh, Abram, go into my handmaiden, Hagar, and conceive a son by her, and we will raise that son ourselves as our own. Of course, Abraham did not say no. I don't see where he asked her any questions or anything. He just went into Hagar. I'm quite sure Hagar was beautiful. And, um, you know, she was Egyptian. And uh, she was Sarah Handmaiden. They were close. So he didn't see anything wrong with it. So he did what Sarah said. And when he did go in and do that, guess what? They conceived the son, Ishmael. Beautiful little boy. Sweet, fat cheeks. Yeah. And Sarah saw the child and got jealous. Sarah saw the child and saw how Abraham doted over the child and got jealous. Sarah saw the child grow up. And when he grew up, he became a handsome man. As a little boy, he was a, not man, I'm sorry, he was a handsome child. Rugged, handsome like his daddy. And she got so jealous. And when she got jealous, she told Abraham to, look, she got to go. Hagar and her son got to go. Throw her out. Abraham, it hurt him because he didn't love Hagar, but he loved that little boy. That was the promise he thought 
that God had promised him. See, I got a little ahead of myself before. This was before the angels came. I'm sorry. Because I, I want to tell the story, and the story is so exciting to me. I will get ahead of myself. But this was before the angels came and when he conceived Ishmael. But she got jealous, and she told him to throw her out and her son too. So Abraham talked to God, and God told him to do what Sarah had said. Don't worry about it. He would take care of that boy and her mother because the little did Abraham know those people had a destiny too. Ishmael people, his descendants had a destiny too. God was going to use them. Nothing happens by mistake. God didn't plan that, but he would take what Satan tried to mess up and turn around for the good. Those people still live today. Ishmael people still live today. Anyway, let's go back now. The angels came 24 years later, I believe it was, and Sarah did snicker when they told her that she was going to conceive a son. And he said, by this time next year, you will have a son. And guess what she did? She became pregnant, or she conceived child, as the Bible would say. And she had the child at 90 years old. The Lord renewed her body. He renewed Abraham's body so that he could implant the child, and he renewed Sarah's body so that she could deliver the child, conceive and deliver. That's what God did. He can renew anything. I don't care how old you are. If God wants it, it's going to happen. And it did with Sarah. She was 90 years old. Abraham was 100. She was 90, and they conceived a son. When she had the child, she named the child Isaac, which means laughter. She remembered what the angel said. She remembered what happened when the angels told her that she was going to conceive a son. She remembered what happened when she had that baby. She laughed, and she said, a woman my age, she couldn't help but laugh. Through all the pain and all that, she laughed. She was happy. She was rejoicing. And there came Isaac. Again, handsome young man, little fat-cheeked baby, and Abraham and Sarah was happy. They knew that they had waited on God for those 24 years, even though they made a mistake with Ishmael, but it wasn't a mistake. But they thought that they had made a mistake. But now... The real promise was here. And Abraham just threw it out. He's 100 years old, and he just had, his wife just had a son. They had conceived a child, and his wife had just had it. So can you imagine all the men around there? Yeah, dude, you, hey, you something that's go do. Yeah, dog, yeah. You know, that's what they would be said nowadays. But in those times, they were in amazement that this 90-year-old woman could have a baby conceived from her 100-year-old husband. Now, they knew that was a blessed couple. They went on, and they raised the child up, you know, and one day God called Abraham. And when he called Abraham and told Abraham that he wanted him to take the child, up to Mount Moriah. And I say, whoo, because I don't know what I would have did if God had told me that. He told him to take your son up to Mount Moriah. You're going to do a sacrifice. So Abraham didn't know what was going on, but he suspected. And he took his son and went up to the mountain. He took everything that he needed the, the straw, the, the knife, the ropes, everything. And when they got up there, the child, Isaac, said, Father, where is the sacrifice? And 
Abraham's answer was, God will provide himself a ram or a lamb. He will provide himself a sacrifice. See, he made a statement, and he didn't know what he said at that time. God will provide himself a sacrifice. And so they waited. I guess he was trying to get up a nerve. He took the child, and he said, come here, son. And so the son was obedient. He tied him and put him there on whatever he put him on, the straw or whatever it was. And he tied his hands, and he wanted to cover. I think he covered his eyes, and the son didn't say a word. But Abraham had faith enough to know. See, he loved God. He had gotten to know God wonderfully with all the stuff he had went through. He got to love God with all his heart, mind, and soul. So he was willing to sacrifice his son because he had seen God do miraculous things. And the miraculous things were so impressive to his soul and his spirit that he was willing to sacrifice his son for this God, hallelujah, who had given him this son. He knew that God's word was true. And he knew that if he sacrificed this one, that he, God, would bless him with another one. But at the time when he held that knife up and he was going to sacrifice that child, he heard the voice of God again, said, Abraham, Abraham, harm not the youth, harm not the lad. And at that time he heard the voice of a sheep over in the thicket. And he went and he got the sheep and he sacrificed the sheep. God let him know that he wanted to know, was he going to love that son more than he was him? Because, see, sometimes God blesses us with things, and we love it more than we love God. We love that house more than we love God. We love that house so much that we don't want to leave it to go to church. We love that car so much that we don't want anybody in it. We don't want to take anybody to church. You see what I'm saying? We love that soup so much that we barely even want to move in the church. You don't want to get up and get it sweaty because that soup, oh, my five, six, seven hundred $700 soup, oh, no, I can't sweat in this. You see what I'm saying? Anything you love more than God is not worth anything. It's worth zilch. I don't care how much you paid for it. It's worth zero. But Abraham trusted God enough to do what God said, and God made a way. He stopped the whole thing in midstream, and Abraham sacrificed the lamb rather than the son. When they went back down to the wife, the wife knew something was going on, and I'm quite sure he told her the story. It does not say in the Bible. But they lived from then on happily ever after, and God promised him that his seed was going to be as many as the stars in the sky or the sand on the ocean floor. That he was going to have so many seed from this little boy that there were going to be many, as many as the sand that you see on the ocean or around the ocean. You know when you walk on a beach and you see all the sand, if you pick some up, you can't pick out one little piece of sand. It's very hard, but it was here that his descent, God told him that his descendants was going to be as many as that. See, he didn't understand what was going on at that time, but we know today those were the Jews and the church. We are Abraham's descendants. Now, I'm not going all the way through to Isaac and Jacob and Esau and all of that. I want you to know how Israel started. Now, after Abraham and Isaac, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob and Esau had children. Now, we know about the blessing and how Esau sold his birthright and all of that. If you don't know, then go in the Bible. It's all in Genesis. Um, Jacob 
had 12 sons, and those 12 sons ended up being the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's how Israel began. Because one who fought with an angel one night, whose name was Jacob, that angel who was the Lord, number one, he knocked his knee or knocked his thigh out of joint because Jacob wouldn't stop wrestling with him. He wouldn't let him go. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. So the angel knocked his thigh out of joint, and Jacob ended up with a limp for the rest of his life. But he also blessed him, and he told him that his sons would start a nation. They would be the beginning of a nation, they would be the beginning of Abraham's problem, um, um, promise. See, Isaac had to come first, then he had to have two sons. And one of them, the angel, he said, after tonight, your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is Israel. Now go in the Bible, in Genesis, and find out who Jacob, who Esau was. Jacob was quite, yeah. Anyway, long story short. All of that happened so that a nation could be born called Israel. Now, I'm not truly accurate on all of it. I'm trying to rush through this because I don't have but an hour. So there are some things that I left out. But please go in Genesis and read it for yourself. It's a beautiful story. But that's how Israel began. Israel came from Jacob, who was renamed Israel. And so it began. That's my favorite saying. And so it began. Now, they've had skirmishes, wars, and rumors of war. They went into slavery for 400 years with Joseph. Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. Now, I'm not going down that easy. That's all in Genesis, y'all. Don't have but an hour here tonight. But Jacob went into, was sold into slavery in Egypt to a man named Potiphar. And as the time went on, we know Joseph went to jail and all that for false accusation. We know he went to jail and all of that and stayed in there for 13 years. But that was a keeping place for him. It seems bad, but it was a keeping place for him. God knows what he's doing because even in the prison, and he was falsely accused, um, um, he grew. He grew. They put him head over the prison. Joseph ended up running the prison, but he couldn't get out because of what the, the, the accusation that was put against him. Joseph couldn't get out, but he ended up running the prison. He said what they ate and all of that, he helped them do the budget. He helped them everything. They saw how amazing he was. He had a gift for organizing and taking little and making much of it. Anyway, when the time came for Joseph to come out of prison, he had to interpret a dream. The king had a dream. And he went and interpreted the king's dream. He had been forgotten twice down there. Two servants that were down there of the king, they got out and they forgot him. He told them to tell the king, remind the king that I'm down here. And they forgot him. But the time came when he was supposed to get out. And the king had a dream. And somebody remembered Joseph who would interpret who could interpret dreams. God gave him that gift. And at the right time, Joseph came up out of the prison and interpreted the king's dream, and the king let him out of prison. But not only did he let him out of prison, the king put him over the whole nation of Egypt. Only thing the king had to do was raise his hand to bathe himself and to eat. He gave him his signet ring, gave Joseph his signet ring, so that he could do whatever. Any law he made, any purchases he made, he put him over the whole economy. Now, this is a little boy who was sold into slavery and who ended up in prison. All of a sudden, he's head honcho. The only person that's over him is the king. That's it. 
and he did a good job. He married the king's daughter, and they had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, which is nowadays when you go back, that is Great Britain and America. Not going into that either, but look it up in history. You'll find that out. But all through all of that, Israel, there was a famine in the land. And during the famine, there was no food. But see, Jacob, now I'm sorry, um, Joseph was in Egypt. He was the head man in Egypt. Other than the king, he was the head man. He was the governor there. Everything, everybody had to come through him. They didn't go through the king. King sitting back enjoying life. They had to come through Joseph. And when they came through Joseph, he would always help them. Now, like I said, there was a famine in Israel. So the father sent the sons there so that they could get food for them in Israel. So they went and they bought food. And when they came, Joseph recognized them. And when he recognized them, my goodness, mm, he couldn't say anything. He didn't know what to say. But you know the story. Look in Genesis. You'll see the whole thing. Like I say, it's a beautiful story. But from that, Israel ended up, Joseph finally confronted his brother and told them who he was. And he told them all to come out of Israel because there was a famine. There was no food. There was no water. It stopped raining. He told them all to come to stay here. And he put them in the best piece of land in Egypt. And the people grew. Joseph eventually died. But the Israeli people grew. And they grew so much. They were growing over in Egypt. And (laughs) the king looked one day, and it was more of the Israelis than it was the Egyptians. So, of course, someone came to the king and said, King, look at what's happening. They're growing much more than we are. After a while, it's going to be more of them than they are, than there are of us. And who's to say if they won't try to overthrow us and you lose your kingdom? So the king listened to him. And what happened was the king put them in slavery. He literally took them as slaves before they grew too much. But what you don't understand is that they continued to grow grow even after they became slaves. And we know about Moses and Moses coming to deliver the people of God. I'm not going down there either. I would call it, if I did, I would call it the bulrush baby, but it would be too long. But we'll go on and just go hundreds of years ahead. There was this man named Moses, and Moses, we know all of what happened, and um, he was taking them to the promised land, and when he was supposed to do it, the 40-day trip ended up being a trip of, what, 400 years? And they made it, though. And he took them back over in the promised land because they had came out of the promised land and became slaves in Egypt. Now Moses was to take them back into the promised land. And they did. They got over there. Moses didn't get over there. Go into Genesis and find out why. But Moses didn't get over there. But the descendants of the original people did because the original people cried out and murmured against Moses and against God so much they made a golden calf that did some of everything out there. They cried and wanted to go back to Egypt, wanted to continue to be slaves, eating from those flesh pots. But God would not let them because sometimes your children don't know what's best for them. But God would not let them go back to Egypt. They kept on and they kept on and they kept on. They didn't make it in, but their children did. And they conquered the promised land again because by this time there were giants in the land you know they had taken it over there were giants in the land but let's come fast forward to today israel the eternal city 
God in oh what is this scripture? Um, was it Matthew twenty seven? I'm asking my daughter, y'all. She wrote down my notes. Where God told them that what was it? That God told them that um, that land was going to go was going to bless the whole world. That they, because of them, because of the Jews, the Hebrews, as we call them, because that's what they really are—they're Hebrews. Because of the Hebrews, that the whole world would be blessed. Genesis twelve. Go in Genesis and see. He told him that because of him, because of the Hebrew people, because of Abraham and the Hebrew people, that the whole world would be blessed. And look at it today. It has been. Now, you've got a lot of people fighting against Israel. Just three days ago, um, Israel was bombing, well, they shot missiles over um, in Hamas, over in the Gaza Strip, because Hamas had been hacking their um, internet, and it was getting ridiculous. I mean, they, they were tearing down their 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 their, their um, cyber. Um, it would they had. Um, did a cyber attack on Israel, and Israel politely took some rockets, and they shot those rockets over at Hamas over in the Gaza Strip. Now that was Saturday, y'all. Let me tell you how the the Jewish people get up. It's like they will attack them, and the Jewish people will attack them back. And when they attack, they attack, believe me. They still got that strength, that might that God gave them when they had to fight those giants. Now, I'm skipping all over the place, I know. But if I tell you the whole thing, then I will be here all night long. I wish I could, but I think I need a little bit of sleep. But now, today, they're doing a day of independence. No, this is not the day they became independent. That was May the 14th, I think it was 1948, when Israel became an independent nation. And, um, oh, what a glorious day that was. And I remember they were saying um, during that time that we have captured the temple. They hadn't, but they were speaking prophetically, and I remember something happened over there here recently, and Netanyahu said the same thing. We've captured the temple. They haven't yet. It's going to happen because Jared Kushner is, as we speak, writing up a contract between the Palestinians and the Jews to get a one-state Nation, I don't think it's going to happen. Perhaps I'm wrong. I think it's going to end up being a two-state. But God don't want. He didn't want that. He said they were one nation. But the Palestinians, Palestinians have part of that nation. That is a whole other story for a whole other time. But that's that other seed. That's Ishmael's seed. The Palestinians, the Arabs. That's Ishmael's seed. And there has been a war ever since those two boys were born. We know that. Read the Bible. But Israel is the everlasting city. No matter what happens to them, even out when Abraham was in the desert, no matter what happened, they always came out on top. On down through the years, even after four years of slavery, they all came out on the top because before they left Egypt, God told them to go to the Egyptian to borrow their gold, silver, and their beautiful clothes. And then 
go out to the desert. So that's what they did. They told them they wanted to go and worship their God. They took all the gold and all the silver from the land and all their beautiful clothes, their high clothes, you know, the kind of clothes we wear when we want to go and see somebody higher up. Yeah, they took it all out there because they said they wanted to go and worship their God, and they wanted to, the best to worship their God, you know. But when they left, they did not come back. And we know the story. Pharaoh went down behind them, but the Lord opened up that Red Sea. Because, see, they didn't steal it. It belonged to them. That was gold and silver that they had earned for working for Pharaoh all those many years. See, God don't take you out of a situation without paying you for your time. Am I right? And that's what happened. All that gold and silver and fine linen and, whew, yeah. When they left Egypt, they were rich. But let's come back to today. On Saturday, Israel was bombing or missiling. They were at a they had a small, small scrimmage, and of course Hamas bombed them too. They 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 shot back at them. You know, it was a back and forth thing. You know, people were hurt, but you know what? Today Israel is celebrating a day of independence. And I've forgotten what the name was. What was the name? Okay. Anyway, it's Yom something. I have forgotten what it was. Uh, my note taker, I think she's kind of sleepy, so y'all forgive her. Anyway, um, they're celebrating today. You know, Trump just made Jerusalem the capital. The capital at first was Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is a beautiful place. Oh, I never knew it until I looked it up today. That it was a party city for one thing, and that's where the embassy was. But our president did what no other president down through years would do. He declared Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which is what it should be. And not only did he do that, he moved the American embassy there. Now, I don't know who has followed him so far, but there were a number of nations that said they were going to follow him and do the same thing. Yes, that caused a big uproar. But Israel is an everlasting city. They've got that iron dome up there, so when someone is bombing them, you know that thing will shoot the bombs in mid-air, and it will not come nigh their city. They have been beaten. They have been bruised. They have been in slavery. But Israel always survived. I mean, they continue to survive. Everyone, like I said earlier, wants to just push them in the sea. Those who are anti-Semitic, they want to push them in the sea. The Bible said, hallelujah, that you can't do it. Yes, I understand they're still looking for the Messiah, but they still love God. They know God, but they're still looking for the Messiah. But there's coming a time very soon that they're going to recognize the Messiah when he comes down, hallelujah, out of heaven with tens of thousands of his saints with on his thigh written, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he comes, he is going to conquer, hallelujah, and there's going to be a war going on at that time, Lord. But Israel is still fighting. Israel will still win, even when the attack comes, because there will be a major attack, even when that attack comes. Some of them will have to flee. Those who are over there, um, in the West Bank, on the West Bank, will have to flee up to Petra. Uh, Petra, I'm sorry. That lets me know that the two states, uh, well, the one state, they're going to divide it because Petra is part of the Palestinian settlement. So that lets me know that, yeah, it's going to be a division or the Israelites won't have to flee. But anyway, Israel the forever city. It will forever exist. The people will forever exist. So no matter who goes up against them, can't defeat them. 
You might kill a few of them, but you can't defeat them because that's the place that God has chosen to come back to. That's the place that God God has chosen, people that God has chosen to be his people. We're all in his image and his likeness, but those are the people, the apple of God's eye. Israel, the forever city. Go and visit Israel one day. I plan to myself. Oh, I wish I could tell the whole, whole story, but go in Genesis. You'll find it out. The whole story is in Genesis. Israel, the forever city, the beautiful city of God. When God comes back, I think he's going to be well pleased with them. They are the apple of his eye. This is Evangelist Portia McIver saying, have a great night. God bless. And if you don't know Jesus, stand right now and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, come into my life and do something marvelous with it. Forgive me. Take over. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, good night, everybody. I love you, and God bless. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.